The Old Testament reading is from Joel's second chapter. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and who relents over disaster. Who knows? whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our psalm is Psalm 41, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, this is the psalm that we'll be focusing on for the next, well, six weeks, the season of Lent, Holy Week, and then Easter Sunday as well, under the theme, Be Gracious to Me. And so we read Psalm 41 responsibly. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words while his heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me, and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me. But you have upheld me because of my integrity, and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The epistle is from 2 Corinthians, the 5th and 6th chapters. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. 
For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacles in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, as we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Loving Jesus, be gracious to me. That's our Lenten theme. As we spend the next 40 plus days studying Psalm 41. Psalm 41 is a psalm that is composed by King David. He composed it at a time when he was going through some serious illness. And he's praying for God to grant him mercy. David's enemies greet the prospect of his death with malicious glee. Even with a close friend betraying him in his time of need. But David does not despair. That's what we hear in that psalm. Instead, King David entrusts himself to the mercy of God, certain that his enemies will not triumph over him, and that the Lord, as he says, will set me in his presence forever. Although the words of Psalm 41 are attributed to David, they are, in an even more significant way, the words of our Savior. Yes, Psalm 41 is actually Jesus's own prayer. Jesus, Jesus in this psalm petitions his father for mercy in his distress. Jesus' enemies gloat over his imminent death. Jesus even quotes this psalm, Psalm 41 verse 9, when he informs his disciples that one of his disciples, who he is eating bread with, will betray him. But like King David, Jesus does not despair in his predicament. But instead, he entrusts himself into his Father's hands. Jesus is confident that he will overcome all of his enemies. He is certain that he will one day return to his rightful place at the side of his Father, and he will reign forever and ever and ever. Well, Psalm 41 is not only King David's prayer, and Psalm 41 is not only our Savior's prayer, but Psalm 41 is also our prayer. 
And we'll spend quite a bit of time over the next six weeks expounding upon that. Tonight we want to focus on the first two verses of Psalm 41. Blessed is the one who considers the poor, that is, the afflicted ones. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land, and you do not give him up to the will of his enemies. David writes, blessed is the one who considers the poor. The Hebrew word that is translated as considers in our, in our text can actually also be translated as gives attentions to or focus upon or thinks about intently. And so when David writes, blessed is the one who considers, he is actually describing someone who gives careful, attentive thought to something or someone, like an artist who is painting a portrait of a person. They are attentive to every detail. King David, although being materially wealthy, is actually quite poor. As he experiences poor health, David longs for people to show him compassion. He longs for people to spend time with him, to pray with him, to petition God for mercy, to be there to help nurse him back to health in his time of need. Yes, in that way, David is a poor man. But David is also poor in that he is guilty of sin. And he knows it. He confesses it. He acknowledges that he's a beggar in need of God's forgiveness and mercy. Now, unlike King David, Jesus is not materially wealthy. I mean, Jesus' parents of modest means. I mean, think of it. Jesus has to borrow a bed when he, was, when he was born. And he has to borrow a bed at his death as he's laid in Joseph Arimathea's tomb. And in between his life or his birth and his death, our Lord is homeless, having no place to lay his head. Jesus acknowledges his homelessness when he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Yes, Jesus is poor. Jesus is also spiritually poor. Now that might seem strange. It may sound wrong to our ears to say that Jesus is spiritually poor. Because after all, he is the eternal Son of God. After all, he is holy. He is righteous. He is sinless. And yet, Jesus is spiritually poor because he is afflicted with our sin, with my sin, with your sin. As St. Paul says, and you've heard these words probably before, St. Paul says, though he was rich, that is Jesus, even though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Yes, even though he is God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross, thus making himself poor. And King David in our text tonight says, blessed is the one who considers the poor. That is, blessed is the one who pays attentive attention to the one who is poor, the afflicted one. 
And how true this is that when we give careful thought or consideration to our afflicted, dying Savior. Yes, we do well to pay attention, to focus our eyes on Jesus, for He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. During the season of Lent, we give careful attention to the impoverished Savior. That's exactly what the author of the Lenten Holy Week hymn, O Sacred Head Now Wounded, does. In that hymn, the poet stands at the foot of the cross of Christ and he, and he ponders the suffering of Jesus. He, he especially focuses on our Savior's head. Remember the words? Verse 1 goes like this. He says, O sacred head now wounded, with grief and shame weighed down. How scornfully surrounded with thorns thine own crown. O sacred head, what glory, what bliss till now was thine, yet though despised and gory, I joy to call thee mine. Yes, the poet focuses on the impoverished Savior of the world, Jesus. Mocked and ridiculed to the point where he has a, thorn, a, thorn of, a crown of thorns pressed upon his head. Blood is dripping from his forehead. And yet, the poet looks up at the Christ and he recognizes that Jesus lovingly, voluntarily goes the way of the cross so that we might ultimately be forgiven. And that is why he concludes that first verse by saying, I joy to call thee mine. Yes, as we consider the impoverished Jesus Christ, we too can have joy in our heart. Even during this season of Lent, we have joy in our heart knowing that He died on the cross for each and every one of us. And as we focus our thoughts on our impoverished, afflicted Savior, we come to the realization that Jesus gives careful, attentive thought to each and every one of us. For we are the poor person. We are the afflicted that is spoken of in Psalm 41. We are the one for whom Christ Jesus, the Son of God, dies. As Jesus says in the book of Revelation, He says, I know your tribulation and I know your poverty. Jesus knows that we are the harassed and helpless sheep who are in need of, of His mercy and tender care. And so Jesus' thoughtful consideration of us is not some mere mental activity. It's not like He looks at us and He goes, yep, they have a problem, but I've got more pressing matters to take care of in this galaxy. Or He doesn't look at us and go, yep, they've made quite a mess, and so they can clean up their own mess. No, He doesn't think that way. Instead, our Lord has given thoughtful, attentive action to us even before the creation of the world. We're told in the Scriptures that even before God ever said, let there be, He already had a plan in place. As mind-boggling as that is, He had a plan in place to forgive us, to be reconciled to us, to be in relationship with us for all eternity. 
Yes, our Lord's thoughtful, mindful consideration of our affliction is coupled with action. The Bible repeatedly tells us the Lord does not forget the cry of the afflicted. And remember that, people. When you are afflicted and you're crying out, the Lord does not forget your cry. He hears you. Even when you think that he's silent, and he is silent, he hears your cry of affliction. It says in Psalm 34, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are toward our cry. And it says again in Psalm 34, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all of his troubles. We are the poor man. We are the beggars. We lack what God has. We lack His holiness. We lack His righteousness. And therefore, we need His grace. We need His forgiveness. We need His righteousness. We need His holiness. And so with hands outstretched, we beg for God's pity. Do you have any spare grace? Do you have any spare forgiveness that you can maybe share with me today? We say to God, loving Jesus, won't you please be gracious to me? And Jesus responds by saying, I don't have spare grace. I don't have spare forgiveness to share with you. I have full grace. I have full forgiveness to share with you. I abound in grace. I abound in compassion. I readily and I sacrificially give of myself for you and for the whole world. I abundantly forgive you of all of your sins and I remember them no more. You see, Jesus just doesn't give a portion of himself to us. He just doesn't reach out into his pocket, so to speak, and give us the leftover change as beggars as we are. But instead, he reaches deep within himself and he gives us himself. He gives us his all as he suffers and dies for our sins. The prophet Micah writes, He, our Lord, will have compassion on us. And he will tread our iniquities underfoot. And he will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Consequently, because Jesus gives us his full grace and forgiveness, he promises, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what he says to you and me. We are the poor in spirit, but by his grace and forgiveness, he gives to us the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And that's why St. Paul says in one of our readings tonight, he says, we are poor, and yet we make people rich. We have nothing, and yet we possess everything. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. Blessed are we when we consider our impoverished Savior who gave his life for us. Blessed we are because he in his, his impoverishment gives us his everything. And he makes us eternally rich. 
And when we understand this and live with this reality that we are eternally rich in Christ because our sins are forgiven and we have his grace and we have his promise of everlasting life, we can then generously give to the plight of the poor around us. And we can serve them, the afflicted, in the name of the Lord. You know, Jesus just assumes that you and I are going to give to the afflicted, that we're going to give attention to the poor who live among us. In his Sermon on the Mount that we heard earlier in, in our gospel reading today, he said, so when you give to the needy, not if you give to the needy, but when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, you have received, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, Again, see his assumption. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Jesus models this giving to the needy in his own ministry on earth, doesn't he? Jesus says of himself, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and a recovery of sight for the blind. He has set me to, he has set me to, to free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And throughout the Gospels, we read of how Jesus does just that, doesn't he? He, he feeds more than 5,000 people in one time. He feeds more than 4,000 another time. He, he heals a woman who is hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. He brings back to, to life the, the widow's son who has died. And, and he's concerned about a demon-possessed little boy, and he casts the demon out. And we could go on and on and on how Jesus pays careful attention to the plight of the poor of the afflicted. That's the way of Jesus. And thank God that's the way of Jesus because we are the poor. We are the afflicted that he ministers to. And we model. We model our lives after our Lord's. We imitate Jesus. And that means that, yes, we just pay careful attention to the plight of the poor and the afflicted among us. Leviticus 25 says, if your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Proverbs 14.31, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. James 2 says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, well, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that are needed for their body, what good is that? And John says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And Jesus, you know, says in Matthew 25, he says this about his return when he comes back in glory. He says, then the king will say to those who are on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you put clothes on me. I was sick and you visited me. 
I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, Lord, when did, when did we ever see you hungry? When did we ever feed you? When were you thirsty? And when did we give you the drink? And when did we ever see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And do you remember what the king says? He says, truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. You see, we model after Jesus. And we give careful attention and care and compassion to the poor, to the afflicted who live among us. And so my encouragement to you this season of Lent is to give careful attention to the poor, to the afflicted that you know. Give to the soup kitchen. Nikam is always in need of food. Make a donation to the Rwandan unwed mothers. Or if you want to, or do both, give to the local pregnancy resource center so we can help women and men close by in our own neighborhood. Make it a point to go and visit that homebound person who has shut themselves away. Go and see that person who's, who's going through some emotional struggles and, and pray with them and lift them up and share with them God's word. Yes, go to that person that you know who's having a particularly difficult time and give careful attention to their needs. Sharing with them the riches of our impoverished Savior, Jesus Christ. Loving Jesus is our prayer this Lenten season. Loving Jesus, be gracious to me. And he is. Loving Jesus, be gracious through me. Yes, through me. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.